Welcome to Kashmir's on the Air, your weekly radio show dealing with kosher issues for the kosher consumer. And I'm your host, Rabbi Yosef Wickler, editor of Kashmir's Magazine. And tonight's show is definitely an exciting one. I can tell you that in advance. Uh, we're going to mention briefly a, a, a one point, and then we're going to go on to tell you about a situation that occurred on Pesach that may be affecting or did affect you. And uh, it's a really important one. And then after that, we're going to do, discuss uh, a topic which uh, which is about a, a scary thing that did happen on Pesach, supposedly. Uh, and uh, we're trying to... Well, I'm interested in finding out more about it, but I'm going to share with you the implications. It's a, it's a dramatic story. You may have heard of it, but even if you did, you don't, I don't think you know the whole story. So we're going to do as far as we can in that one. And if we have time, which I know we won't, I would share with you a story. Maybe I should even share the story in the beginning. Maybe it's even more important than everything else. So I'll tell you the story. Uh, I saw it. You can see it. There's a, a video in Hebrew from Eretz Israel, some Rav. I'm not sure exactly which it is, which Rav. And... Uh, I asked my brother-in-law who sent it to me if it's written up, and he said it's not written up yet. So I'll share with you the story. Um, this young man was missing for 35 years, Baumel, and, and they got his bones back. Putin helped him. And this is the story told by this rabbi, which was told to him by the sister of this Mr. Baumel, Allah Shalom. And it was it, and she told the story to this rabbi, and here's basically what happened. It seems that, you know, for years and years, they were trying to get the government of Israel, may last 10 years, it's Bibi Netanyahu, they wanted, they, the last 10 years, they were trying to get him to help get the, uh, to get their brother, his brother, her brother back. And the, the father passed away in the, in the interim over these 35 years. And uh, the mother's not in her ni- about 90. And the sister is the one that was really the most achroi in taking care of it. And she was getting angry with Netanyahu. And I forgot who it was that I didn't catch it. You know, it was a lot. Told them, or told her that this is not the way you want. You have to, you have to say nice things, placate Netanyahu, find something to give shvach, to find praise. And she thought about it and she said, you know, I'll try that. And she did. And um, it seems that when the, she met with Netanyahu, because he asked her to come when, the, when they got the boy's bones back, and she met with him, and he, she said something to him, and she told him this story that she switched her techniques with him, and Baruch Hashem, everything worked out. And he looked at her in a strange way and said, you told me, so I'm going to tell you. We had, I had a meeting with, with uh, Putin, and we, we, uh, we had done some favor for them. 
I forgot which one it was right now. I'm sure you know right now, better than I do. But recently they did a favor for him. And they sat down and they made a list of 50 important strategic requests that they asked when they asked Putin. Now, they're not going to ask 50. But they, if they get a chance, they're going to ask something. Then they took that 50 and they whittled it down to 10. And then they took that 10 and they whittled it down to 3. And not one time did Baumel's name come up. And then he met Putin and and there was came the point where Putin said, thank you. Maybe I can help you. And Benetanyahu was ready. He had the three things. And, uh, you know, and Baumel's name came into his head. And he said, Baumel. And he said, who is this? I don't know who you're talking about. He said, 35 years ago. 35 years ago, Putin said. And you care? It makes a difference? To Am Yisrael, it makes a difference, Netanyahu said. Putin said, a lie. He said, on me. I'm taking it. And on me. And it was like he took it as a, he pounded his heart and he said, I'm taking it. And then, you know, he because he, he, he said, if the Jewish nation cares about this young man, after all these years, I'm good for that. And then he said, don't you have more things? And he gave him the rest. So it seems that the thing worked. That was the story. It's a very dramatic story. I'm looking to see it written up sometime in the near future because it's a very, very dramatic story. If you, if you need to find it and you can't find it, so just email me, kashvas at AOL.com, and I'll email you the link, kashvas at AOL.com. It's a very dramatic story. It's only five minutes, but it's all in Hebrew. <laughs> I can't where, where, translate. Where you heard it? Where you heard it? One second. I, you'll have to email me. You know? oh, okay. <laughs> I don't remember by heart. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an email address. You have to, you have to, I'm sorry, you have to go to the, get the you have to get that, uh, you have to have the, uh, you know the uh, the link. No, 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 no. Email me, and I'll email you. But I'm not joking because I I have no other way of doing it. Okay. First of all, people told me they don't want me to mention internet links. This, okay, but you know this is something that every person who understands Hebrew should see this. It's five minutes. Okay. Now I hope you ask also about any coin. I don't know if he has probably come, but the point was that Mina Shemayim, this is what this rabbi was saying. Yeah. We fight all the time. He said, why don't we try a little nice? Maybe it works. That's what the rabbi said. And it, and, and it seems in this case, it did work. So, anyway, let me go on. Um, the first thing that I wanted to mention to you is that somebody came to me with this, uh, that, that in the shop right in Avenue I, they're selling raisin babka challah or something like that. It's called a challah and it's got raisins and I think it's called babka something. It's, a, it's probably a ShopRite brand. and has no ashkoch at all. I didn't think it was so amazing. I mean, I told the people that the, the store's got treif in there. But somehow they felt it was being featured and the, the word challah, if you see it, just make sure you don't buy it. And now we come to 
something I never thought. I, I, when I'm going to tell you now, I, I just heard it this morning. There's a gentleman who has been following Kashmir's magazine for 39 years. He got the first issue that I ever produced. It was called Kashmir's Newsletter it, from 1980. And he told me that I am one of your longest readers because I read every single one. And he said, I have to tell you this story. And, I, and I'm, I'm reaching out to everybody here because if this story hits home, then you've got to tell me was I can't do anything unless I have more information. He didn't even give me names of stores and places, and I want to know details in order to be able to go further. And I don't want to, I don't have to run around. I have enough listeners now that somebody, if it affects you, tell me about it. Okay? So you scribble down my email. It's Kashrus, K-A-S-H-R-U-S at AOL.com. And you could text to that also. You do texting. I don't know what texting is, but if you do it, <laughs> Kashrus at AOL.com. Or you can call me at 718-336-8544 at the office, not where I am now. 718-336-8544. I don't want to hear on the radio any details about this. It's a scary thing. Okay, here, here we go. This is what really happened. Not one store, but many stores in our from neighborhoods on Pesach, before Pesach, maybe even during Pesach. It seems that there was a change recently with the uh, requirements of barcoding, the little UPC symbol. And it seems that in the old days, you had to segregate differently so you had to, could had to change your barcode but i think it i think what this means i don't again i didn't research it yet but i think what it means is that you had to have a different barcode for a pesa product and now you don't or if i got that wrong there's some other barcode situation in any event even if it's not a barcode situation that things changed here's the reality the when the store buys something they buy large boxes come to them. Huge boxes, not, you know, little, you know, not like you buy a box, not like even a you know, large size. They have giant boxes, a container of the large size, right? They have real gazunta things that are coming into their store. So they order kosher le peso, and they get it either from the manufacturer or the distributor. I have not found out yet if there's a manufacturer problem or a distributor problem. But the fact is that they were, dis they were sending to these from stores, the ones you shop in and the ones that I shop in, they were sending them before Pesach, four kosher for Pesach, huge boxes, right, mixed with chametz and kosher for Pesach. Now, the you know, a lot of these things look very similar anyway. But when you order a whole thing of it, so then you're going to take, what's going to happen is the non-Jewish workers that they have there are going to break it down and put it into the right place. Now remember that in the same huge box, we have the kosher of Pesach mixed with the non-kosher of Pesach. Well, anybody just seeing the kosher of Pesach ones on the top or whatever it is is just going to start unloading. 
he's talking to his friend. I'm thinking, so he's, he didn't even look at the next box. Why should he? He's doing the pace, he's doing the pacer. He's putting the pacer section from the pacer boxes. What in the world do you expect from him? So they were putting on the shelves, mixed together, chametz umatza. You know, chametz thicker things and matza and, and kosher pacer things together that looked almost identical in large quantities. Not like where somebody mistakenly dropped something off there, went through the store, bought in the non-kosher section, and put it, and put it in the kosher section. No, 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 no. We're talking about, we're talking about with Pesach stores, but only take Pesach things in, or they've already turned over for Pesach, and they have a little shelf on the, a little aisle in the back if you need to buy something from and stick. But everything is kosher of Pesach. And they're taking and putting chametz of products among the kosher pesach from the major companies that you and I use. I'm talking about major companies that you and I use. So I, I don't know if it's from the distributor or from the manufacturers. I don't know what happened this year, but this really did happen. And my friend, who for 39 years reading my publication, told me this morning that that he overheard the manager speaking to somebody who used certain things on Pesach. And he told him, you're going to have to catch it. That's what happened this Pesach in Borough Park. And I'm sure in Flatbush too. And I'm sure some other people who listen to me elsewhere too. I think a major confusion occurred this year accidentally and you know uh, uh, could have been prevented uh, why it wasn't, what happened what's the true story, I don't know the true story, maybe it'll come out maybe it'll be written, I'm not really interested in writing it, I just want to make sure that I get more facts and I'm able to go to either manufacturers or distributors and put the responsibility on them to make sure that it doesn't occur again I don't want to scrounge around for it. So if it happened to you, if you bought this year by mistake, or you saw this, what I'm talking about in the store, even if you didn't buy it, if you saw five packages of, of hummus sticker things mixed together with, with face sticker things on the shelf, call me or email me with whatever details you want to give me, because I have to start somewhere to be able to straighten it out for next year. I never imagined this thing could occur because I always like to tell the story about one, one store, my, my friend, the Glottmark, because I love the people over there. But Doe Bauman is very close with me and his father was close, Sheldon was very close with me. And uh, I remember seeing in that store the workers preparing for Pesach and they were so sharp. I don't know if they got caught with this. Maybe they didn't. I don't know which stores got caught with it. I don't know where it happened. I have no idea. I have no idea of the products, although I actually do have an idea of some products. I have no idea of the amount of products. I have no idea of the stores that occurred in. I'm not really sure why it happened, but it may have been affecting you. It may have affected you. You may have actually got something in your house today that you bought, Kushla Pesa, but it really wasn't Kushla Pesa. Or maybe you picked it up and put it back. And you said, look at this. Why are there four of them on the, on the shelf? And you didn't think of anything about it. But this gentleman did think about it. 
And he did speak to the manager of the store. And he did overhear the conversation I just go told you before about somebody who had a kasha because of it. No, it's real. This is a real story. So there are two points here. One is I'd like to be contacted by anybody who's listening who was affected by this. You can contact me at 718-336-8544 or kashrus, K-A-S-H-R-U-S, at AOL.com. And you can text it if you want or whatever. And the other question is, does this affect Chomet Shavol or Pesach? So, Chomet Shavol or Pesach is a different story. First of all, the, the owner of the store did sell his Chomets, although he didn't think this was Chomets because he thought this was a Koshal Pesach. And, and he, maybe he caught it before Pesach, I don't know. And then again, maybe uh, it's not really Chomets, real Chomets, 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 you know, maybe there's not a, a sheer of Chomets there, become a Tnuksha, something else. Maybe it's not really uh, going to be a child from Bali or Matzei, and therefore it's not going to be Pesach. So maybe it really doesn't matter that much. And then there's another question. Why should you make a whole story? Maybe why, why should you assume that a from owner had this happen to him? We're saying it happened in some stores, some products, etc. Doesn't mean that your store was affected by it. And he's a from owner, and he's a from person, and he knows this, the halachas like we're just discussing now too. So he maybe discussed it with his relative that came up. So I don't think anyone should hold back from buying in stores that are from owners. And that's the old issue, where do you go, the non-Jewish store, the the, the, the from store, where do you go to buy now? I don't get lost in that. I have clear suck in both ways. <laughs> Rav, Rav Zimmerman Zatzal, my Rebbe for 30 years, suggested to us, if possible, to go to a non-Jewish store the very morning after Pesach, or night after Pesach, not to go three days later, because by that time they're getting new supplies. They sold out, especially in the old days when people used to go to a Goetia stores and seek them out. And though today you don't know which is a Goetia store because a lot of times there's Jewish ownership in the background. Well, one who's the head of the corporation owns a lot of stock, but it gets a little interesting how you figure out who was, who was the owner. But it seems that those days, Zimmerman was here 20 years ago. There was one store in our neighborhood that was known to be owned by Italians. I don't know if it still is owned by Italians, and I'm not going to you know, publicize it. But there aren't too many. You have a little small stores, and there's some people, the from people, the from his people, make sure they have an arrangement with some goy, make sure he buys before Pesach. And this way, they don't have any problem with deliveries on Pesach, and they store it up and they send everybody over there. So that people do that in certain neighborhoods, real goyim only in stores. Uh, but the other shita, which I learned from Rabbi Shimon Ida Zatzal, was that it's a drabonin. He's a from Jew. He sold his chametz. Go there. So that's what I do uh, these days. But uh, I don't think anyone should be afraid about this about the Chomet Shobah Pesach. But if you did have a product or exposed to this thing, please call me or contact me so that at least I'll have some information and I'll be able to go further in the topic. Now we're coming to our real topic. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to get it through it. This was a shock. I, and, and I want to tell you that uh, this, this thing that I'm going to mention to you now, I, I assume it occurred. I can't guarantee you. It was on Yeshiva World News, and they got it from, a, from another place called Reddit. And I went to Reddit, 
you see, Yeshiva World News only had the, the, the first part of it. I didn't have the whole story. I have the whole story in front of me. It's 10 pages long, and it's very small. <laughs> I hope I'll be able to read it. I'm going to share with you as much as I can of this, and I hope next week, if I don't finish today, to go in a little more into the topic, because in halacha, it's very interesting. Now, you got to listen to me, because there are a lot of little parts here, and I'm going to test you afterwards and find out if you hopped all the little parts. <laughs> we're going to be, when we discuss it, we're going to break it down a little bit. But here's the story. This is a mashkiach, or a former mashkiach. <laughs> I don't know if anybody's going to hire him or whatever's going to happen in the future. This is a former mashkiach. Listen to the story. Yesterday was the first day of the job doing Haggallah, a kashring in the in the uh, hotel for this uh, caterer. Organizing the kitchen, blow-torching surfaces, etc. And I had to quit by the end of the day. Given the lack of attention the program directors were showcasing for the program and their employees. The reason he quit, according to him, after one day, is because the program directors were not showing attention for the program and their employees. Okay, so let's see what happened. We were worked what felt to be nonstop from 9 a.m. until 6 p.m., albeit a short lunch break in the middle, doing heavy-duty, labor-intensive mashkiach work. Part of the work during was doing Haggallah. I was in, exposed to inhaling ammonia for long periods of time, which I felt was causing burning to my nose and throat. I asked the head chef at one point if we get face masks, since the inhaling it can cause temp- respiratory distress. And he said he would see to get us some, but he never did. There were only two other mashkichim who were hired to help in the kitchen, and the head mashkiach seemed to disappear often for long periods of time. So to account for this, we would just switch off doing the cleaning rolls to minimize ammonia exposure. Okay, now there's an important thing I must tell you. This is so very crucial to the discussion that follows, although really it doesn't matter. But it was kind of important. He wrote the word mashkichem with quotation marks and the word head mashkich with quotation marks. And that... and. People thought maybe they meant they really weren't mashkiach and the other two gentlemen. Or the head mashkiach is not a real head mashkiach, or something like that. Given that we were able to start sleeping at the hotel tonight, you see, he's writing this, it seems, right after this thing occurred. I was assigned to be in the same hotel room as the other two mashkichim, which only had two beds for the three of us. After bringing this up with the program directors, they said this is sadly the situation until Thursday since all the other hotel rooms are sold out and that two of us can just share a bed. I told them I was uncomfortable with this and they said that I should just take one of the beds and tell the other two to share. 
Going into the, uh, onto the hotel's website after this conversation, I saw there was no shortage of available hotel rooms and that these directors were blatantly lying to us in order to cut costs. Okay. So he's got a couple of complaints against the people. He's got a complaint that he was exposed to ammonia, that he's working very, very hard, and that, uh, you know, the mishkiach, head mishkiach isn't around too much, and, and, they, you know, they, and the, the, they promised to get him that thing, and they never got it for him, that mask, and uh, he's asked to sleep in, a, in a, two people in a bed, of a squished in a room, etc. So those are his two complaints so far. Number three, my biggest concern came after we offered, we were offered a measly, very measly dinner. Measly is very cheap, small, little nothing. After a very exhausting day of hard work, and the other two mashkichim left to go eat dinner at Chipotle, a non-kosher restaurant. Across the street given how hungry and disappointed they were about the dinner situation. They asked me to come along, which I did, since I thought they were just joking. I was appalled when they actually sat down and ordered non-kosher chicken burritos right in front of my face, when the sole job that we were hired for was to maintain the kosherous integrity of this PESA program for the hundreds of Jewish guests. I was so afraid to say something to them, and I didn't know what to do. Immediately afterwards, I broke up from the group to call the program directors, telling them I quit and, I w- and want to get paid for my day of hard work. I also asked for a bonus for the amount of, uh, of work I did for them today. Since it is common industry knowledge that the first day is the most intense and hardest day of the mashkiach's work. They declined and brushed off my work, stating, hey, it should be normal for me to work 12-plus hours a day, and that my nine hours was nothing special, and then I, I had it easy, and then I, I'll get my check in a few weeks like everyone else. I said, this is not at all okay, and the program director continued to yell and insult me continuing the condescending rage over our phone and phone call and the issues I was bringing up. Okay. I was afraid to say anything about the other, quote, mashkichim, since I was still at the hotel with them and was genuinely afraid of some form of retaliation. I know something needs to be said because this is not at all okay. But, but I fear there will be serious backlash if I expose some truth since these two, quote, mashkichim know that I was the only one with them. They have my name, number, address, and other personal information. I'm genuinely afraid of potential backlash from either of these two, quote, mashkichim and or the program directors for exposing the lack of kashrus at their program. In other words, see, but don't tell. Uh-oh. How can I go about this? I'm now back home after quitting and leaving the hotel program. 
I'm not sure what to do or who to speak to, but this is nothing short of travesty. On the one hand, I'm afraid I'll be sued by the program directors for revealing this truth to, uh, f- f- uh, for defamation, or worse, some violent retaliation given that they have my personal information, address, etc. But it's a perversion and mockery of kashras, and Hashem knows what other non-kashras will take place throughout the duration of the Pesach program for the hundreds of Jewish guests. That is not at all what they are paying a premium price tag for. Does anyone have advice? I'm a young guy, and I cannot afford a lawyer. If I was sued by these wealthy program directors who have been running this program for many years, I genuinely do not want to... Do, uh, I, I generally do not know what to do. He skipped the word here. Pesach is only a few days away. Sincerely, Anonymous. Okay. So this anonymous may be a fake. The whole thing may be a fake. But it's a real good question. And, and, I, and, I, and I could imagine it happening. Not why it happened or how it happened exactly. But, you know, if, if he thinks he's going to, I think he's going to make a big hit by this. You know, he's not giving, he's not telling the name of the place. And he's not, uh, what, what is he trying to rile up? Just people should. You know, respond to him, and and and, and there should be a little discussion in the, on the on the web there, which is what it happened. Is that what is this a joke? I don't know. I can't tell you, but it's a scary thought. Could it happen? Yes. Does it happen? I don't know if it happens this way. I hope it never happens this way. But it could happen. Not every mashkiach, quote, unquote, is a Yerushimayim. Not everyone is. Sometimes they have to settle. I don't want to give you details because I don't think it's purposeful. But I will tell you that in the conscious world, I have heard some major rabbis discussing the question of whether or not you could allow non-Orthodox people, and in particular non-Orthodox rabbis, to be mashkichim. And I wouldn't say it was a consensus, but I would say that there were several big-name rabbis that I heard say that they think you could. If you're out of town, if it's hard, etc. Now, this, the assumption was that those people, even though they're not Orthodox, were Shomer Shabbos and Kosher, etc. Here we're going on to a different area. There's a Simon Kufiud test in, uh, in Yoridea, which goes discusses this, and I, that's where I really wanted to get today. I'm not sure if I'm going to get there or not, and, and it's, uh, I hope to be able to discuss it next week if I don't finish it today, because it's really a very crucial thing. But this is a possibility that this happened. Could you imagine this? I mean, we were discussing the amount of money. I mean, the amount of people. Oh, the, you know, there was a scandal already. This Every year there's a scandal. This year there was a scandal down in Florida where there's 30,000, 40,000 Jews went to Florida and in Orlando mostly. And there was one place. They rented the place. They got, um, they, they rented uh, like uh, villas, and they have these villas, and the, and the food is supposed to be supplied by the, by, the, uh, the, by the person who sold them, the, uh, who rented everything to them. 
And he disappeared. And they were left with no food for the umptive. And they had to scrounge around. This happened this year, not, not uh, five years ago. This year. And there have always been stories that are dramatic. And, and some of them you can't even believe. You know, they, they sound wild. I've heard so many stories right at the pace of, you can't believe how many every year I hear, and I, and I have just gotten started, and I've already heard a few. This one beats everything out because this is, and I've heard about problems with kashas before, but this is extreme. Could I imagine a, man, a, a person putting a yarmulke on and claiming to be a Shomu Shabbos and doing things? Of course. Every week in Flatbush and Borough Park and all our areas, there are people who are putting on yarmulkes, and they're the waiters, and they say that they're Shomer Shabbos, and they wear the yarmulke at the, at the uh, Kiddush, and they're Machal Shabbos. They're, every week this is going on. Maybe this is what's going on every week, and they claim to be Shomer Shabbos, and sometimes they even are the Bashkiach of the affair. It happens. This is really, it, it happens. This is going on. Yes. Rabbi, we yeah. discussed this so many times about a regular restaurant that they're bringing some mashgiach that is doesn't. Right. Uh, how many times? How many times we discussed this? Of course that it happens. You, you cannot, you cannot of course check it happens. everybody. This is a possibility. This, yeah, possi big but, possibility. But the point is. We know, is, you know. But the point is, if this really happened, first of all, this so-called mashgiach that wrote this little thing here, if this is what he did, and he didn't contact anybody, and he let things go on that way. So for a end, day of payment, yeah, for one day of payment. Uh, yeah, and they, you so know, this is something that's ridiculous. Yeah, so like, I don't know if it's a day or two later. He he said he spoke to his rob, and that I don't think I don't know if you got that in the piece that they that they have from the Shiva World News. I don't know if they have that part, that update. If they do, I have I have more than that. The update four seventeen. I spoke with my rub and alerted him about what's going on. My main concern being that I saw firsthand how the remaining two mashgichim, I put it in quotation marks because clearly they defy the definition of what a mashgiach should be. It cannot be trusted for the duration of the program. Now, he says that the main concern was this. But if you listened, I don't think you caught it. I caught it. because I, I have it in front of me. That was why I caught it. And I wrote it down on the side here. I can tell you, he didn't bring it up as his main concern. If you read, if you listened carefully, this young, young man, his main concern was getting paid and being treated like a mensch and the inhaling of the ammonia and the sleeping in three people in, in two beds. And, and, and not being considered important and being offered too little and being yelled at. Those were his main concerns. He brought it in as a, he called it his biggest concern, but his main concerns were, as he said, I, I quit by the end of the day, given the lack of attention the program directors were showcasing for the program and their employees. It was the relationship that killed it. And he was scared. Okay, maybe he was scared. Man, maybe he really, you know, I, I'm sure he cared about the kashras. I'm sure he did. But I, I can be, I'm just as sure that his real motivation, main motivation, was how he was being treated. And when he quit, they should get paid properly. And if they would have given him the money, this whole thing wouldn't have been written. What did they do about the kashras? I don't know. He would have done something. Maybe he would have gone to his rub anyway. So he went to his rub and he alerted him about what's going on. 
my Rav was also surprised to learn that we were hired from the program directors themselves, the people taking home the profits and clearly concerned about cutting costs. And not from the Vada Rabbanim council or the head rabbi giving the hechshu. So the, the Ashkacha didn't hire him. He was hired as a mashkiach. And the other two, by the program directors. He's making, um, he's making a call to them now to see what, can be, what they can do, being that Pesach is only a few days away. It's unsettling to note that the program's website advertises their program to be, <laughs> you ready? A group of experienced mashkichim. Clearly, these days, you can never be too sure. Oh, my goodness. These are experienced mashkichim. Maybe they were experienced mashkichim. They do it every, every, summer, every, every Pesach. And if they would served them a decent meal, it wouldn't have happened. The whole thing, we would never have known this whole business. <laughs> just, a, just a Jew getting fired. I mean, just quitting because he was overworked and tired and knocked out and, and didn't look forward to the rest of the Pesach. And a young fellow quitting. But, it, but the only reason we found out about this is because they didn't serve him a de- decent supper in the, in the kosher facility. So obviously, that, they ran across the street only because they were hungry. And that's, you know, that's the uh, that's, that's, uh, teavon. That's not something that they're, they're necessarily uh, considered to be fully chosher uh, and rishoyim. They're really just oichel novelis beteavon. So we're going to get to that topic, maybe. Maybe next week, who knows? Okay. Now, he, in regard to the job, they lied to me. Switch and bait. It's really bait and switch. Okay. They lied to me in an attempt to hire me thinking I wouldn't mind the working conditions and the way they were treating me. So you see, it really boils down to he's upset with them. Now, it's obviously too late to apply for, to any other programs that I would have done knowing, uh, done otherwise knowing this, but I realized the kosher issue is the more pressing issue at this time. So he's still, you know, all thinking about that money and then whatever it was, but he realizes kosher has got to take, get taken care of. Hundreds are going to be relying on the supposed hashkocha, and I'll update the forum once I get an update if anyone has any questions or comments and like to PM me, do not hesitate to do so. I don't know how to reach this fellow. If somebody knows how I can reach him, now I'd be very happy about that. I'm, the, I'm talking now, <laughs> but uh, but I don't know how to reach him, and uh, I never got it. Was never an update that anything happened. I assume the rabbi did make the call, and I assume uh, the hashkocha did something, and I'm sure that they corrected it in some level. But I will tell you one story. A good friend of mine, somebody that uh, is known to many of you excellent mashkiach, one of the tops in the world. And he was at a program for Pesach. He was the head mashkiach. And he quit after Yom Tov. First day of Yom Tov. He, he said, I'm quitting, and you're going to have to get somebody else. I'll stay till tomorrow. You know, that's somebody by then. It was impossible, he said. What I saw in those two days, I didn't eat everything. I couldn't. I, it was, he, he described a situation which made my hair stand up. That was not just whether the mashkiach was a from Jew, it was things that were actually happening underneath his nose 
and it happened before the cashing situation before we found out was it was absolutely inappropriate and he was caught in a very very big bond basically lived on matzahs for two days and then got and then got out of there and uh and the program had no problem we understand rabbi just don't you know bad mouth us to other people or something we accept it we'll have somebody we'll get you replaced and they did they got him replaced and the, and the person came in was happy with the job it was a wonderful job okay that's these are real these are real stories so when you choose your hotel i'm sorry to tell you now the next year is a long time away but when you choose your hotel pace put put cautious on the top Choose a ashkocha that's the top ashkocha, and then and 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 whether or not they have this juggler or that juggler shouldn't really matter as much as that you should have food that's kosher. That that really should be your goal. Um, in any event, so he's saying that uh, people are relying on this, and hopefully something's being done. And now I'm going to discuss with you. I see there's not much time. I can't really go through the halacha, so I I think I'll save that for next time. And we're going to go and discuss, unless it's a little bit at the end, we're going to discuss some of the uh, points that other people brought up and some of the things that he answered. You couldn't find this on Yeshiva World. You have to scrounge around to get it. It was removed, I think, in one place, and I was able to get it anyway. Okay. Um, he, somebody recommended, by the way, you understand, he himself worked at this place, saw these crimes, never reported it himself to the head mashkiach or to the rabbi who he works for. So obviously, we know one thing, that he also is only a quote-unquote mashkiach. What kind of business do you taking that money for cleaning the pots, working as the, the mashkiach, and, 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 and not reporting the information, and it becomes number three? on the list, and you get your rabbi to do it, well, that minute you should have run to the head mashkiach or called the rabbi in the phone and said, I got to tell you this. And whatever the chips may fall, so they are, they do. You're not going to get killed, and, 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 you, and you have to take the hit. You took the job. What kind of business? Why, why do you call yourself a mashkiach and him, the other guy's not? They're not. We know they're not. Where kind, what kind of responsibility did you, did you take on? And, it's, and what I'm talking about now is the most scary thing that I know in Kashmir. The intimidation of the mashkiah. The intimidation of the mashkiah. He keeps quiet at all costs. He's got a family. This is a boy. But he has a family at home. His wife is relying on it. He has children. What's he supposed to do? Or they're all at the hotel. Right? They're all at the hotel. Can he quit? It's not so simple to quit all of them at the hotel over a Kashmir's issue. He might tell them, don't eat this, don't eat that, which, ha which happens very well. But what kind of business? Uh, uh, why are you not, you don't feel any moral responsibility to report this immediately? It's a few days went between he calls the rabbi and he calls this and then and they got back to him and the why should you have 10 minutes of them them being working there and, and being mashkichim? I, I don't understand it, really. Okay, so this fellow rec recommended that he contact the local basin 
and tell him about his experience so he should be protected against any uh, lawsuit. Other people said there's no defamation, there's no lawsuit they could give against him, even no matter what he says, because he's just telling the truth. But of course, he's a young guy and he's just scared, and they probably threatened him too. The real problem is the ammonia and cashless. Those are the real problems. The ammonia is a real issue. You see, this gentleman responded to this the young man that I would blow the whistle. I can't imagine someone who will do anything to you physically. The retaliation that most whistleblowers fear is being fired. And you quit. So what's the big deal already? Uh, he said, another person said, you should report your, to your, your, your employer to the local health department. Oh, I don't know if you have to go that far right away, but it might be something to think about. And uh, if they're paying you less than minimum wage, which was the fact, by the way, or less than the contracted rate, then there's a, a question. You can also file a complaint for wage theft, which is something that's very often done. Now, before that, you know, you could give uh, an option to the, you know, I mean, you could tell them that, you know, you, you will have to pursue it. I mean, in any case where you were going to pursue something, first of all, they're Jewish people. You have to go to the basement. You can't just go to the, the court. And your local health department. I mean, yeah, maybe you have to report the health department, but reporting to the, uh, you know, to to any uh, uh, secular courts, uh, you have to first go to to a basement. I can't imagine one day's pay being so exciting in terms of this. Was it two hundred dollars, hundred and fifty, hundred? I mean, maybe he's a young guy, but still, to go to such extents and worrying about this this major loss that he had, I, it doesn't sound realistic to me. Anyway. Um, he, uh, now, another person said, I would blow that whistle as hard as I can and as quickly as I can. And so would I, by the way. I, I can't imagine not. Uh, but I would feel confident that Hashem will side with me and I'll have siyata deshmai in my actions. It was just the overworking and underpaying. I, it would be a separate conversation. But Kashrus has no loopholes. That's what he says. I don't know if it fits in English-wise, but that's interesting. Definitely ask a rov for specific instructions. And he says the rov is taking care of it. Okay. And we, uh, most of his other stuff is, is simple enough. And now here's something interesting here. They, it seems that they pulled this thing, what he was writing off the website. And uh, they said to him, uh, one of the people said to him, you're going to have to go ahead and write it differently. So he wrote it differently. Uh, and, he, and this fellow said to him, which I disagree with 100%, he says, uh, the, you know, the only thing that was relevant was the kashras. The rest of what you wrote isn't nice, but also isn't relevant. Well, not treating the mashkiach properly, it's a different topic but it's very relevant. Giving him less than minimum wage, making him work hours and hours on end, only a brief stop for lunch until 6 o'clock. I don't know if it's legal. And uh, whatever the measly meal was must have been very, very unappetizing. So that's a, another question about whether they uh, halakhically or uh, Morally, they were correct. Legally, maybe, maybe they didn't do anything wrong. The two-in-one room is definitely uh, something, uh, the two-in-one bed is definitely something that wasn't expected, 
and uh, shouldn't have uh, happened to, to the other people as well. So there's definitely something wrong in the uh, in, in in how they treated him. It's they probably have gone beyond the law. And yes, I think it is relevant. I think it's relevant to the whole thing. Why is he intimidated? Because they were intimidating to him. They were making his life difficult. And that's why he was holding back on telling them the information that he should have shared with them. The whole thing does really start with how they, he was being treated as a mashkiach. I think it's very significant. Then he says, this other person, which makes me feel interested. Yeah, also, is it, it's impo- it, is it possible? Sorry. It is possible that certifying organization is aware that these men do not keep kosher personally, but are willing to believe they will enforce the kosher professionally. Oh, unbelievable. That such a thing could be possible? I could imagine you getting hired if you, if you just call them uh, a, a pot washer. But to call the man a mashgiach, even if he's a 19-year-old from yeshiva, with a small yarmulke or big yarmulke or a hat or whatever, you 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 gonna you gonna expect him? You can expect him if he's not shomer shabbos, not shomer kashrus, to be keeping the, all the laws of kosher and making sure there isn't any mix-up, catching everything, and and making sure that he cleans his things to the level of perfection. Where there's no nothing visible anymore. Are you are you sure that you could trust this man? That's really our topic for next week too. Okay. Another question. Another point here. It is very possible the certifying rabbi doesn't know about these people. These places hire random yeshiva guys as mashkiachim, with just one real mashkiach in charge. That was the fellow they called the, you know, the uh, head mashkiach. And by the way, if there is a real mashkiach there, these workers eating not kosher might not even be such a problem. Well, that I don't believe, because I think the job of a mashkiach is, um, the head mashkiach is to supervise in general, but he has people who he knows are Jewish and committed to basic laws of kashras. And that's how he can, he can just, you know, spot check and go away for a while, too. That, that's how he can live. But if it was a goy who was working here, or a non-Shomer Shabbos, non-Orthodox person, non-Kosher person working here, and he knew that, the head mashkiach, he wouldn't budge. He would be watching everything, checking it over. That we would check over if a non-Jew did this work. Don't you think that the, the non-Jew might clean the, the oven and afterwards you stick your head in and check? But if the mashkir says, I took care of it, it's perfect. So you go on to something else. Nice young fellow. He's sprite. He stuck his head in. Presumably, he didn't see anything. Okay. Uh, he's, this is a continuation. As a mashkir, we were hired. This is this uh, fellow. I think, I, think, uh, I think it's referring to the person who, uh, who, wrote, this, who wrote this problem. As mashkichim, we were hired to not only supervise, but to take part in the actual cleaning, hagala, blowtorching, cleaning surfaces, etc. itself. If these other mashkichim are eating treif, I don't think it's right for people who are paying a premium price tag to be relying on their word. 
I certainly wouldn't. I wouldn't want to know that's who was in the kitchen. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, so, so there's a, there are people looking, you know, looking at it both ways and figure maybe you could still wiggle out kosher even if this guy is doing the cleaning up. That whole bit was a discussion back and forth. Now, the question came up, can the mishkicham that each rafe be halachically considered trustworthy? Now, I'd love to do that now, but there's no time, so I'm going to leave it for next week in Yitzhak Hashem. And that is an interesting question. That's basically the basis, the basis of the whole problem here on one level. But on the other level, even if you could say that they could do it, that's not your judgment call. Mishkiach number three, that's not your judgment call. Your responsibility is to report back to the people who are doing kashras because you are mashkiach, and to the owner, uh, the, the person who arranged the program, because he is the one who employed you. And he is a Shomer Shabbos, Yerei also, and you should be telling him. It doesn't matter if he yelled at you. That's just too bad. You just have to take it. That's you got to grow up and take it. Because if you can't express yourself here and, and stand up for this, you know, I mean, what, what are you worth? Why do you call yourself a mashkiah? It's a big problem. I don't, I don't see a simple solution to this one. Now, uh, we're going to go on a little bit more. So, there was a discussion among the different people who were responding to this fellow, basically discussing whether or not the job that he does is a Mashkiyev's job. And I, I, I humbly suggest it is, because of what I said, that you have to thoroughly clean blowtorching. I've seen blowtorching. Blowtorching is a rigorous activity. And what you have to do is get each spot to be burning hot, white, turn white, you know, turn, turn colors. And it, it, has to, it has to be, or turn red, whatever it is. You have to see it change color. It takes about, you ready for this? Seven minutes on one spot. Now, if you don't have Yerushamayim, you're not going to keep your blowtorch there seven minutes on one spot and then go to another spot. You're going to move as fast as you can, do it quick, and claim it was all done perfectly. You know that you're not going to knock yourself out if you yourself don't believe in it. So to, 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 to give this t- job to anybody who's not shown Torah mitzvahs is absolutely inappropriate. Absolutely. No question about it. Um, Back and forth on that. Here's a good line. They were discussing what's in between the Jew working this way and and a non-Jewish person, a a person, non-Jewish person working in the other. We mentioned that briefly. Another point was interesting is in order to be trusted as a mashgiach, you need to know the laws of kashras and also be trusted not to take shortcuts. That's what I just said, actually. It may be very well that someone who does not keep kosher knows the laws of kashras, but such a person cannot be trusted not to take the shortcuts. That's, that says a lot. Now, here's something that's very important. 
this situation, the people were hired were mashgichim. But there is no reason why a mashgich couldn't just hire cleaners to clean. I'll simplify this. If all he needed was cleaners, why did he hire mashgichim? In other words, they're being paid, they're getting Jews, they're getting yeshiva boys, and they're getting people who, who look the part and who, who are being paid more than the dishwasher, presumably. And if, and if not, I mean, I assume more, more than the dishwasher. And, and they didn't just want the physical work. They wanted somebody else. They wanted a mashkiach there. So they needed, they needed real mashkiachim, and these people should have been the real mashkiachim. Okay. These two individuals are mashkiachim, hired as mashkiachim, with supposed Yerushimayim. Hundreds of Jews are counting on them, this Pesach, to ensure that strict commitment and adherence to Kashrus. I was there with them as they ate chicken and cheese burritos. And I quit immediately afterwards. That is how he ends the walk. And um, what can I tell you, people? This is one of the saddest things I've ever seen. And uh, the gentleman, the last one that I have on my page says, next time call a rov before you quit. If you hadn't quit, there would have been at least one mashkiach making sure that the food is kosher. Not crit criticizing you here at all, as it certainly wouldn't have been to keep Pesach like that. So we can't put ourselves in your place. We don't want to judge you. We don't want to put anybody down. But we think that it would have been appropriate to contact the people who hired you, to contact the... Uh, the Rav who gives the Ashkocha, and to make sure yourself, not just call the rabbi. And I, if this, if this is true story, and there is such a young man, I, I would think he could have spoken to his family, and they would have given him good guidance. So that's why I'm not sure if it's a true story or made up. In any event, it raised some interesting points, and I'll try to take a little bit more next week into the into this idea of who is a chosher, who is suspect. And when you can rely on a Jew, and we've discussed it before, but I hope to do it at least briefly next week. But before we run, I just want to remind you that if anybody did find this year that they ended up buying hummets before Pesach, on Pesach, from those stores that were being delivered, these big boxes of hummets and, um, and, and Pesach products mixed together and put on the shelves together, and with a bunch of them on the shelves, if you know anything about this story, please contact me as soon as possible. 718-336-8544 or uh, kashrus, K-A-S-H-R-U-S at AOL.com. And you can ask your Rav if there's any Shiloh you have, but, but uh, basically, um, uh, would be if you have it and you thought it was in your, ha and it was in your house and you didn't sell it and etc. etc. It wasn't included in the original Mechira, it wasn't included in the original Bittel. Yes, it would be Chomach over Pesach, but only if it fits the criteria of Chomach over Pesach, it has to be real Chomach. And I don't want to go into that now because we're up to 7 o'clock hour. So I want to wish everyone a wonderful week. This is your host, Rabbi Yosef Wickler, editor of Kashrus Magazine, wishing you a wonderful week and Hopefully, next year's Pesach will we'll have nothing to talk about after Pesach except the beauty of the spring.
<laughs> and you said, and you said, thank you.